to him, Leave thy house building alone, and go with me. The shawl he called Rucksplitter. The man consented, and they all three roamed through the forest, and wherever they went, the wild beasts were terrified, and ran away from them. In the evening, they came to an old deserted castle, went up into it, and laid themselves down in the hall to sleep. The next morning, Hans went into the garden. It had run quite wild, and was full of thorns and bushes, and as he was thus walking round about, a wild boar rushed at him. He, however, gave it such a blow with his club that it fell directly. He took it on his shoulders and carried it in, and they put it on a spit, roasted it, and enjoyed themselves. Then they arranged that each day in turn two should go out hunting, and one should stay at home and cook nine pounds of meat for each of them. Phil Trister stayed at home the first, and Hans and Rocksplitter went out hunting. When Phil Trister was busy cooking, a little shriveled-up old mannequin came to him in the castle and asked for some meat. Be off, sly hypocrite, he answered. Thou needest no meat. But how astonished Phil Trister was when the little insignificant dwarf sprang up at him and bellabar at him so with his fists that he could not defend himself but fell on the ground and gasped for breath. The dwarf did not go away until he had thoroughly vented his anger on him. When the others came home from hunting, Fertrister said nothing to them of the old mannequin and of the blows which he himself had received, and thought, when they stay at home they may just try their chance with the little scrubbing brush. And the mere thought of that gave him pleasure already. The next day Rocksplitter stayed at home, and he fared just as Fertrister had done. He was very ill-treated by the dwarf because he was not willing to give him any meat. When the others came home in the evening, Fertrister easily saw what he had suffered, but both kept silence and thought, Hans also must taste of that soup. Hans, who had to stay at home the next day, did his work in the kitchen as it had to be done, and as he was standing skimming the pan, the dwarf came and without more also demanded a bit of meat. Then Hans thought, He's a poor wretch. I will give him some of my share that the others may not run short, and handed him a bit. When the dwarf had devoured it, he again asked for some meat, and good-natured Hans gave it to him, and told him it was a handsome piece and that he was to be content with it. But the dwarf begged again for the third time. Although you are shameless, said Hans, and gave him none. Then the malicious dwarf wanted to spring on him and treat him as he had treated Fertrist and Roxbitter. 
but he had got to the wrong man. Hans, without exerting himself much, gave him a couple of blows which made him jump down the castle steps. Hans was about to run after him, but fell right over him, for he was so tall. When he rose up again, the dwarf had got to the start of him. Hans hurried after him as far as the forest, and saw him slip into a hole in the rock. Hans now went home, but he had marked the spot. When the others came back, they were surprised that Hans was so well. He told them what had happened, and then they no longer concealed how it had fared with them. Hans laughed and said, It served you quite right. Why were you so greedy with your meat? It is a disgrace that you, who are so big, should have let yourself be beaten by the dwarf. Thereupon they took a basket and a rope, and all three went to the hole in the rock, into which the dwarf had slipped, and let Hans and his club down in a basket. When Hans had reached the bottom, he found a door, and when he opened it, the maiden was sitting there, who was lovely as any picture, nay, so beautiful that no words can express it, and by her side sat a dwarf and grinned at Hans like a sea-cat. She, however, was bound with chains, and looked so mournfully at him that Hans felt great pity for her and thought to himself, Who must deliver her out of the power of the wicked dwarf? And gave him such a blow with his club that he fell down dead. Immediately the chains fell from the maiden, and Hans was enraptured with her beauty. She told him she was a king's daughter, whom a savage count had stolen away from her home, and imprisoned there among the rocks, because she would have nothing to say to him. The Count had, however, set a dwarf as a watchman, and he had made her bear misery and vexation enough. And now Hans placed the maiden in a basket, and had her drawn up. The basket came down again, but Hans did not trust his two companions, and thought, they have already shown themselves to be false, and told me nothing about the dwarf. Who knows what design they may have against me? So he put his club in the basket, and it was lucky he did, for when the basket was halfway up, they let it fall again, and if Hans had really been sitting in it, he would have been killed. But now... He did not know how he was to work his way out of the depths, and when he turned it over and over in his mind, he found no counsel. It is indeed sad, said he to himself, that I have to waste away down here. And as he was thus walking backwards and forwards, he once more came to the little chamber where the maiden had been sitting and saw that the dwarf had a ring on his finger, which shone and sparkled. Then he drew it off and put it on, and when he turned it round his finger, he suddenly heard something rustle over his head. He looked up 
and saw spirits of the air hovering above, who told him he was their master, and asked him what his desire might be. Hans was at first struck dumb, but afterwards he said that they were to carry him above again. They obeyed instantly, and it was just as if he had flown up himself. When, however, he was above again, he found no one in sight, for Tristan Rocksplitter had hurried away and had taken the beautiful maiden with him. But Hans turned the ring, and the spirits of the air came and told him that the two were on the sea. Hans ran and ran without stopping until he came to the seashore, and there, far, far out on the water, he perceived the little boat in which his faithless comrades were sitting, and in fear's anger he leaped without thinking what he was doing, club in hand into the water, and began to swim. But the club, which weighed a hundred weight, dragged him deep down till he was all but drowned. Then, in a very nick of time, he turned his ring, and immediately the spirits of the air came and bore him as swiftly as lightning into the boat. He swung his club and gave his wicked comrades the reward they merited, and threw them into the water. Then he sailed with the beautiful maiden, who had been in the greatest alarm, and whom he delivered for the second time, home to her father and mother, and married her, and all rejoiced exceedingly. End of story 166